Hi, this is Ryan Bloom. On today's episode of the Fireside Chat, please join me as I have a really interesting discussion with famed designer Brian David Roberts. In our great discussion, he'll be telling us a lot about living, working, and designing in the Pacific Northwest focused around Seattle, how he and his wife Virginia, who happens to be a photographic genius who understands light and color and texture, have worked together as cohorts in life and collaborators in business. He'll tell us a lot about how he works on an envisioning process with his clients and has the blank page to start philosophy. And most importantly, how incorporating light flow into his work, into kitchens, and now into outdoors as he establishes the kitchen as the modern family room. Enjoy. Welcome to the Fireside Chat. I've, uh, since I did uh, my homework and research before, uh, before our time today, I was really interested in, um, in what you've done with what I found particularly interesting, if, if, and I'd love to hear about this, is how you've woven, it seems that you've woven um, travel and experiencing different parts of, of travel into design and aesthetic. And, and I was particularly drawn to that because I've traveled a lot. I consider it probably the, the aspect of my life that's added the most value in terms of um, effect on my businesses, effect on family, just general things. And I'd love to love to hear a little bit about your your experience and a little bit, first of all, about you. And well, I, I originally started out in architecture. Uh, since I was 12 years old, I, I wanted to be an architect. And I actually went around with my dad and talked to a couple of architects <laughs> and uh, to ask them, what do I need to do? And they said, uh, told me some books to read, uh, Fountainhead being one of them, um, and told me to draw perspectives and learn how to draw, so I was drawing constantly. And then I actually got into architecture in uh, high school uh, for drafting and that kind of thing, and I enjoyed that. And then got into pre-architecture in, in college and went through a year of that. And um, my college professor told me, I don't think architecture is right for you. <laughs> and I thought, well, why is that? <laughs> and he said that uh, I would be a draftsman for the first 10 to 12 years of my career, drafting other people's designs before I became a partner. If I became a partner, mm -hmm. which, I think I would become a partner, but uh, I didn't know that I wanted to put 10 to 12 years into drafting. Um, and so I transferred to another university in furniture and product design. Hmm. And that, that got me a little closer to what, to what I wanted to do, which was design for use, for people using it, and the, the enjoyment of using something mm -hmm. that works properly, the enjoyment of using something that aligns with how they want to use it and what they want to accomplish. Uh, so that was lovely. And then I started working back east for a kitchen and bath design firm, which I didn't even know those existed because <laughs> I never needed one. Yep. And, um, but I wanted to work my way to New York City to uh, be a designer there, probably in furniture design, furniture and product design. Anyway, I started working with this firm and um, she was the first person to tell me, my, the, my boss, um, anything about space planning, functional design, and proper consulting. 
And uh, those are my terms uh, given to what she taught me. And it was amazing. That's what opened my eyes and said, that's what I thought architecture was. And uh, so I kind of went back that direction, wanting to design homes for the use of a particular family. And uh, so that involves uh, space planning, functional design, and proper consulting. And so we started that company. And uh, it was a very unique company. It was hard to market because people were wondering, why, why don't I just hire an architect? Why don't I just hire an interior designer? Why don't I just have the kitchen cabinet company design the kitchen, for example? Why don't I just have a contractor just build what he builds and, and I just tell him what to do? And so those were all the usual avenues that people go for design. And um, I thought they were terrible avenues because usually what happened is that, is that uh, they were getting these designs foisted onto their family and asked, do you like it? And they go, I don't, I don't know, I guess. And so it's a huge leap of faith thinking, okay, they designed, paid a lot of money to have this designed. They've designed what they would do to my house if they were to live in it, usually. I mean, some are better than others, others obviously. Sure. But, then, but then we have to pay for this, whatever it is. And then maybe not concretely, but on some level, they realize and recognize that they're going to have to align their lives to whatever this is. And I always thought that was silly. And why don't we spend the same amount of money, get the same amount of stuff, and a lot of times less, because design can be very efficient when it's done properly. Sure. And have that stuff align with the way we live. And so that's it. Remarkably and unusually, that's a, that's a unique way <laughs> to design. And uh, it still is. I've been doing this for 19 years, and it's still a very, very unique company. I, I get the sense and, and that one of the challenges with design is that it is such an unbelievably subjective term and that the average Joe, the average consumer, the average may not have the vocabulary to even be able to articulate what it is that they are looking for. So I love where you went with this and saying designing around use. And I think that often that is one of the great missed parts uh, specifically in what, in what I do is that, uh, you know, outdoors is often not designed around use. It's designed around uh, limiting factors or limiting beliefs, I think, in many ways. Um, as you've gone through your experience with your firm over the last 19 years, what are some of the questions or some of the things that you do with your clients during the envisioning stage or the envisioning process to help better articulate or understand what they are looking for to make your job, you know, I don't want to say easier, but certainly to, to, to allow for more common vision between you and, and your clients. That's a great question. Um, so that's where the consulting comes in because a lot of people, because they've always had to align their lives with wherever they've lived 
they don't really know what they want. They have an idea, but it's not concrete. And so I actually come to them with a uh, blank piece of paper and we have a conversation because it's up to me to extract that information that they don't otherwise know to give. <clears throat> and so that's why a blank piece of paper means that I'm going to have a unique conversation with a unique family, a unique homeowner. And uh, I just start throwing out questions. We talk about, uh, for example, if we were talking about a kitchen, mm -hmm. we would go through each appliance because they don't, may not really know which, what refrigerator is right for them, right? Or what sink yep. or what um, manner in which they want to deal with compost or how they want to um, interact with their friends. And so it's up to me to, to determine, you know, what those things are and extract that juicy information right. from their own lips. And um, because we're designing for them in particular. And uh, it's funny, when I, when I start asking these questions, they tend to get a little excited about this conversation and they really get into it yeah and uh and then they start to open up usually in a, you know if i'm talking to a couple um one of them is a little more reticent and uh but by the end of the conversation a lot of times they end up being the most uh, vocal um because they're finally being heard yeah and uh yeah it's a unique experience for them and i don't know why it's unique but it's, it seems to be unique but that and that just gets me started that first conversation it's about an hour um per area and uh, for, well half hour to an hour per area but that just gets me started the consultation continues throughout the process and they're very involved in it it's a very collaborative process which builds up their confidence <clears throat> in the whole process you bring up a very interesting point, and I've asked this question before, and I'd love to, to ask you. Um, if you look at the last, let's call it five to ten years, the, the, the number of platforms that exist today, whether it's House, Pinterest, and others, have allowed for the consumer to photographically articulate at maybe not at a at a precise level but at least at a mood board level of i like this i don't like this this looks great this doesn't as the consumer has much more readily available imagery information on manufacturers information on technical specifications as your role, and I love how you start the envisioning process with a white blank piece of paper. And prior to my urban bonfire days, I was involved for seven years in international mixed use real estate development. And what you're basically describing is we used to do charrettes, charrettes with, in certain cases, hundreds of stakeholders from, from business owners to local government, to architects, to wave, to, to wayfinding consultants to urban plant the whole host of it and we started like you did with a white piece of paper really trying to understand or really trying to reach what is common vision what is the identity of what this place is supposed to be 
we can figure out the windows and whether you know, we can figure out those those minutia later if we have a line common vision. Right. In your specific role, do you find that the the house, the Pinterest, the access that people now have to help them articulate is more helpful or is it more of a hindrance to your expression of creativity and value add to your clients? I think it's more helpful to the client. Um, there are times when I come to a client and they've already worked with some people and they're not, they, they didn't know, really know what it was. They weren't confident about it. And so they were looking for something, they found me. And then, and then they start to get excited when they work with us. But uh, I can look at those things and I can see them, but I don't, it doesn't necessarily affect what I do for them. Um, So they can be looking at all these different um, pictures and photos and say, I like this and I like this and I like this. It doesn't really affect what I, what we do together, Mm -hmm. but it does allow them to articulate it on some, in some way um, by just sending, you know, photos to me. But we need to get to the bottom of why they really like that photo. Is it, is it the color? Is it the feel? Because they may not know. They may say, oh, I like that, that, that particular uh, color of wood. But do, is it deeper than that? Mm-hmm. Or is it, that, is it just that simple? But um, so I do have clients that will send me photos that they've gathered and I look at them to try to see a common thread on what they're looking for because it may just be a feeling. They like the feeling of that space Mm -hmm. because many times they'll send me things and the the cabinets are different colors, the uh, uh, for for, for a kitchen example, Um, or a living room where the couches are different colors or different. from different manufacturers and different window setups yep. and trying to get a common th- thread on what are, you, what are you looking for here? What, what is it that excites you about these, this grouping of information? And, uh, and so I try to, you know, try to help them articulate that. And having, you know, spent time in New York, for example, and now that you're in, in Seattle and Pacific Northwest, Aside from the, you know, the beautiful backdrop that exists in the Pacific Northwest in terms of just the sheer beauty of the, of, of, of the landscape. Um, and it's interesting, you know, one of our urban bonfires, um, biggest and most successful markets is British Columbia, which shares very similar topography, very similar weather, climate, those types mm-hmm. of things as, as you mm-hmm. do. Um, what what do you see or what have you learned over your your time and your experience of what is there regional cultural nuance are there things that you work with in your market that you feel are very unique or sought after by 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 the consumer that you think are somewhat unique to the pacific northwest whether it's color material uh environmental stewardship just things that you're seeing, hearing, learning in, in, your, in your practical application. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, m- much of the year is, is uh, fairly gray, mm-hmm. uh, probably like a uh, London, Scandinavia. And so there's a lot of uh, emphasis on, uh, on brightness. How do you combat those gray days so that you don't feel down? <laughs> How do you get some excitement, whether it's uh, b- uh, pops of our... Uh, 
color, texture, because pleasantness is a major function. Yes. And uh, how, do, how do we make it pleasant on a gray day? For example, in, in a kitchen, uh, how do we, I always do more windows, do less wall cabinetry, more windows, which kind of spreads out the kitchen too, because people are willing to move to more places because nobody wants to work under a wall cabinet. And uh, so I would say that because of, of the uh, gray days here, um, and it's beautiful, it's, it's pleasant to look at even on a gray day. So how do we get more light flow? Mm -hmm. And how do we get light to travel through the spaces? And even how do you get it to travel into a space that's maybe in the middle of the house, like a powder room? Because mm -hmm. we want to make that experience more pleasant as well. And, um, and when you start to uh, travel that light through properly, then it spreads out the house. Yes. It makes the home feel bigger. And it's because more areas are more pleasant to be in. So I would say that that's the biggest thing is how do, how do we get light travel to go through and, and the, uh, the colors, um, the brightness of the walls. So many paint colors out there have blacks in them, which, which make them kind of dingy looking. I'm just looking at my walls now, they're very dingy. And uh, I could, we're renting on Bainbridge Island right now, but uh, uh, we just purchased a home, by the way, in, okay. in Kingston. Yeah, so I've, I've already space planned it. Took me one evening and we're, we're done. So um, wow. yeah, and I, I consulted with my wife. <laughs> yes, and I'm, I, I'd like to hear about Virginia because I, uh, I read a lot about uh, your history together and how um, uh, all the photography on your site, she does the staging and all the the photography. And tell me, tell me a little bit about about her. It sounds like she's uh, uh, incredibly uh, not sure what the cohorts in life. I think was the term yeah. that you used in your bio. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about uh, what it's like to work and create together. Oh, it's 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 lovely. My wife, my wife is a yoga teacher and couldn't be further from what I do. I mean, we yeah. we, we are definitely in a life cohort, but certainly not on a professional level. Right, right, yeah. So it has been interesting. Um, fortunately, we get along extremely well. Um, I'm probably the more difficult one to get along with, but uh, just because of my personality. But uh, I tease too much. Hmm. But. Um, She's just a, a lovely person, uh, and we didn't really know what her talents were. We've been we're coming up on our twenty fifth anniversary in December, and it's been a lovely twenty five years. And we've gone through a lot. Started uh, some companies together, and uh, they didn't work out. You know, you fail until you succeed, right? Yep. And uh, so we failed a lot, and we failed faster. <laughs> that was one of my mottos. How do you fail faster? Yep. Uh, so that you get to that success. But she um, did a bunch of things. Uh, she was an esthetician for a bunch of years and never quite satisfied with it. And, and, um, and then she, was, uh, she worked her way up to be a vice president in an international skincare company and was doing really well there. And then one day she said, I want to be a photographer. <laughs> and uh, this was... Uh, not a terribly great time. It was uh, 2009. <laughs> okay. So she was doing well. It was right in the middle of that, that crazy recession. And, um, and she said, I want 
to be a photographer. And, and uh, we talked about it and I said, well, you know, this, you get one chance here, let's do it. And um, so she quit that career and started from the ground up. Um, she already had an eye for it. Uh, she, she knew she loved it from taking pictures with, um, you know, a cheap camera before and enjoyed that. But one day she woke up and said, that's really where my passion lies, yes. which was interesting. We'd never really talked about it before. And then, so we stopped full stop right there with her career and started with this new thing. And she, she's the type of person that she'll research things to death. So she found 20 photographers, high-end photographers that she enjoyed their work and studied them unbelievably um, for years. And, uh, and as they changed with the times, she, she kind of uh, changed with it until she was able to get to the point where she found her own voice in the midst of all that, once she knew about more, much more about light mm. and how it interacts with materials and how it interacts with skin and hair and clothing and, and um, the different types of light. Um, well, it's funny you mentioned that. I, I've spent, obviously, in, in, in my, my research, I, I spent time on your Instagram and on your site. And the photography is, it's subtle and it's understated but it looks very, uh, it, it's, it, I feel like it expresses the voice of the designs in a very, um, in a very meaningful way. With, uh, it, you can almost tell that it is a unified team doing it versus someone from the outside who doesn't necessarily understand, may understand how to take a photograph of a, of a room or of a kitchen, but doesn't necessarily understand the design principles, the voice and the inspiration that you had in its creation and is able to articulate that without saying anything through those lighting cues and those, those, the sort of shading and the way you've just described it. And now that you've, now that you've articulated that, I think back to the photos that I looked at from your, from your work and it's there, it's kind of, it's, it's woven into it, even if I couldn't have articulated it beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. That was well put. I, as I mentioned earlier, I try to get really good light flow so that it's pleasant everywhere as, or as much as possible mm -hmm. or as long as possible during the day. And, uh, and so because of that, when Virginia goes to take photographs of the spaces, we generally leave the lights off because we want to experience that, that uh, light flow mm -hmm. as it naturally goes through the space. And so... Yeah, that's that's a. Uh, I, I appreciate that you saw that. Um, on occasion, she'll turn a light on just to show the fixture itself. But we want to see the space and get a feel for what what's been created here for this family. And so she's very good at capturing that. And she uses a medium format film. So she started out in in um, digital, and and went to film. And, and a lot of times it was the other way around. Usually, but yeah. Uh, yeah. And so we, we've spent a lot of money on these wonderful cameras uh, over the years. And now she finally has her two favorites that she uses for portraiture and uh, interiors. But she's, she's excellent and she's a, she's a joy to be around. And she does a lot of work. She wears a lot of hats for it because I've spent a lot of time with clients. Mm -hmm. um, 
and so she's working you know the the uh, uh the money side of things um and you know the social side of things and uh she's she's just an incredible woman i'm very grateful to have her I want to touch on something you just mentioned. You've mentioned a couple of times the term light flow. And that's a really interesting one. And I'd like to segue, if you'll, if you'll permit me, into mm-hmm. talking a little bit about the role of outdoors in your design. And light flow, if you think about outdoors, light, light flow is typically one of the things, and I've never heard it um, mentioned in that way of light flow. And as you mentioned, when you're planning an indoor kitchen, uh, lots of windows, so light flows through and creates uh, separation and, and, th- and texture, things like that. But light flow is typically one of the things that is unrestricted outdoors because it's outdoors. You've got a lot of light flow. Mm-hmm. In your experience, and since you've been doing this for so long and working with clients from that, that blank page, as you, as you put it, have you seen over the last several years, five, ten, a different level of thoughtfulness, uh, investment, um, where the outdoors is more important than it might have been 10 or 15 years ago? Um, what, what's, what's your experience in what you're seeing uh, from clients on the outdoors? And if you can, I'd like you to answer that almost pre-COVID, because I think if you look at all the stats out there, you know, if you look even at Google in May, the, the term outdoor kitchen searches went up 300%. Mm-hmm. That was, I think, time very much around changes in consumer behavior and where they were able to spend their money and spend their time. But even prior to COVID and, and the shifts that that has made, what are you, what are you seeing in your in your practice and in your, your area as it relates to outdoors. Um, I'd love to hear, hear about that. Oh, sure. Um, So in, in, in people's homes, the family, whether it's two people or it's five people, everyone has a, a period of time where they, they enjoy being around their family and then they enjoy being alone. And for a lot of people, it has um, their option is to go to their bedrooms, um, which during the day or before you're tired, before you're ready to go to sleep, um, being around the bed isn't necessarily where they want to be, but it's their escape for a period of time. And um, whether it's for meditation or reading or just getting away from people yelling about the game, right? Just having a place to go. And, uh, and for other people, it would be, you know, I'm going to go take a bath or something like that. So if you can expand your living space um, into the outdoor arena, then that's a lovely place to go if when you want to escape. Yes. Um, and I think escape is too too strong of a word. It's just maybe to reinvigorate oneself, you know, by uh, ruminating in your own thoughts and um, doing something quietly that you enjoy. But uh, um, so outdoor space, I think, is 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 crucial, and uh, if you can get it, um, so for a lot of people, it would be the basement. You know, mm-hmm. 
they have basements, but it feels like a basement and they throw a bunch of cam lights down there and then it feels like Dracula's basement, right? Because the ceilings don't get lit and the top 20% of the walls don't get lit. So it feels like, uh, you know, his castle. It's terrible. And uh, so nobody wants to go down there. But you need, if you make that all pleasant, then you've expanded it there and you have, people have a place to go. But I think outdoors is especially wonderful because of that light flow that you, that you mentioned. Yeah. Um, and watching the waning of the light and uh, um, the ebbing and waning of the light. And I think that's a, a wonderful meditative experience. And so creating, you know, some people want to get, uh, I, I've had a lot of clients say, I want to be able to bring the outdoors in more. Mm -hmm. uh, I just want to, uh, what do they call those telescoping doors that open up? Sure. So that, so that the outdoors feels like a part of the house when I open them up. Um, and you can't do that in every climate. Right. Um, and you, can, you can do it here to a large extent because um, it doesn't get terribly cold. It does get rainy. <laughs> Um, but then it's a matter of how do, how do we create a, if I come out there and it's, for example, here in Seattle, we've got to have a roof so that I can go out there and enjoy the sounds of the rain mm -hmm. and, uh, but not get wet and be protected. But then when you do that, it cuts off light. It does. Right. And so how, how do we, how do we do that? And, uh, um, the main way to do it is to is to create more window with, within the space too, mm -hmm. and it doesn't necessarily have to be a view. It can be light. Yes. Some people are they're looking at their kitchen sink to their neighbor, and their neighbor's looking at them, and they go, "Gosh, you know, I like this light here, but we're looking at each other. It's not that comfortable." Yeah. And uh, and so we'll create a window that's still there but it's higher up. It's uh, maybe 18 inches tall, but it's higher up. Now when I'm at the sink, I still have all that light right there, but now I'm looking at the tops of trees and sky. Because yeah, really it's about the light and or the view. I agree. And the flip side, if, if I can, I, I think you're absolutely right about that very, um, I think you said that meditative place that meditative space um and i imagine that is the case for a lot of people uh, i i would also submit that i believe it is a place that it creates a platform for people to create very special memories and i think that's one of the things if you look at kids and, you know, the big discussion today on children that, you know, they're inside playing video games or they're on their phones and they're, they're less creative. And, you know, the, the typical joke is, well, how come my kids don't go outside and, like, build a fort? You know, we did when we were kids. Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of that has to do with physical environment. Being outdoors, you're almost forced, unless you're playing a specific game, you're throwing a ball or a Frisbee or whatever it is, if you're just let to roam free, there is an there is an inherent requirement for kids to get creative and create games or activities or spaces and i think a lot of that um a lot of the special memories that are created in outdoor environments whether it's you know fourth of july picnic or or thanksgiving whatever it may be in people's lives mm -hmm. 
you know, what inspired me to start Urban Bonfire was the experience of growing up around uh, around a campfire at at our summer cottage and just remembering they were they were just simply the most joyous times of of my life uh, and you know that's really what that's really what it was about for us is that it 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 allows for a secondary space whether you're into cooking or not it, it doesn't matter it, it it allows for a secondary platform for people to enjoy and experience and, and to make memories in. Right. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad, I think that I'll make a statement. I'd like you versus a question. I'd like you to tell me if you think I'm right or wrong, but I think okay. that we're seeing the traditional, traditional, the, the, the interior design professional who for a very long time didn't necessarily go beyond the patio door or wall. That was the landscaper's domain. I sort of stopped. And we're seeing that start to blur, I think, because of A, client demand. B, because, and you mentioned this earlier, the idea of glass windows and nano walls and things where there is a visual connection between indoor and outdoor that might not have existed with the same level of consistency 15 or 20 years ago but also today with the with the advent in technology as it relates to um, materials fabrics lighting pergolas outdoor cabinetry uh, countertop materials designers have a much greater array of aesthetic choices they can work from and you mentioned one of the first things you talked about when you're working with your clients is color and paints and things like that that there was a bit of a lacking of for a long time. And now it's Pandora's box is open mm-hmm. on outdoors. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that allowing you as a design professional or within your industry to look at the outdoors differently because you have a lot more options you can work with without feeling you have to compromise on design and taste and aesthetic. Yeah. So, it's a long question, which I yeah. apologize. <laughs> um, so part of the, the um, consulting process is determining what they enjoy doing, right, this, this family. And, uh, you know, that's something I could probably start looking into a little bit more is, is how, how would you like to connect with each other outside the house, right? Do you, do you see yourselves playing catch with each other in the backyard or, or grilling and eating outside? Uh, in, inviting friends over with those ubiquitous uh, um, bulbs <laughs> strung strung around, right? And is that the kind of uh, experience you want to have with friends and with family? So that's something that I could see as adding and adding to um, my consulting. How do you want to use the this exterior space? Mm. Um, it's in, I love it when people have kids and, and they say this particular kid likes to enjoy, enjoys um, helping me in the kitchen, for example. I love hearing that because design is very psychological because people, people generally will tend to do what they do given a certain environment, right? And um, if, if, the kitchen, which is the modern family room, is designed properly, mm. then that connective experience can happen. So 
inevitably, one of the kids wants, or, or all of the kids, want to come in and help chop a carrot, right, <laughs> to help. And um, usually what happens is that they have to go in an area where they're underfoot. And because they're kind of underfoot, there's a little bit, of, a tiny bit of anxiety there, hmm. right? The kid feels it. Um, they feel like I'm in the way and I'm just going to, and then it gets to the point where they say, well, I would rather do something else. Mm -hmm. And so that, that, that connective experience is lost. Yeah. And, uh, um, and, and the adult, the parent feels a little bit of the anxiety because I'm having to work around this with, you know, and do, do things a little differently. And it's not like uh, you don't want them there. It's just that little bit of anxiety is unnecessary. How do we, how do we create so that it works properly for that experience. And, um, and how do we get people to connect when, when kids are doing homework, right? Or working on a project that they enjoy and dad is in there cook, cooking and prepping. How do we get that to happen? Um, and then when guests come over, usually they have to sit at a table nearby, right? Yep. But that, that's at a different level than, you, than you're working on. So if I'm working at, on the countertop and they're sitting at a table, they won't sit there very long because they're at a different level, right? They feel like the pupil and I'm the teacher. They didn't come over for that experience. Well, they whenever you're having up. a dinner party, right? And you're running <laughs> yeah. behind and the guests arrive and you're like, oh, shit, yeah. and yeah, and I got to go yeah. run it. But where does everybody congregate? And everyone's like right on you in the kitchen, right? It's just the yeah, way they're, all, it's the they're way leaning. Yeah, they're leaning on, on your level. They lean on the level that you're working on. You're absolutely right. Right? And uh, so how do we create that seating experience where people will sit? And so a lot of my designs have a, uh, uh, a wooden end of the island that's brought up to the same level as the, as the um, countertop, and it's the same width. Well, now it's serving a couple of purposes because it is island until you want to use it as seating. And then when someone comes over or, or uh, one of your children wants to work on a project or, or um, homework, they will sit there because they're on the same level that you're working on. And so now it's very, very connected. There's a lot of psychology involved. What you have just mentioned, we have woven into our designs in a very similar way where, you know, even with outdoor and you're dealing with 30 inch depths, as a standard, you know, adding 12 inches of depth off the back. And then you've got that, you know, that quote unquote island for seating that also, as you say, to your, to your point, it's a buffet or it's a place where it's more casual and we eat or we have a glass of wine or we prep or whatever that is, but it becomes, and I love how you mentioned that, you know, you called the kitchen, the new modern family room. You know, my term for it is the central gathering space for people's mm -hmm. homes and lives. And I guess if it's, if it is the modern family room indoors and the outdoors is six feet away, just through a glass door or through a patio door, should we be able to extend that modern family room? Because when you look at the typical size of the outdoor space, whether it's a balcony, a roof, a backyard, on, if you look at it on a per square foot basis, it's actually one of the least expensive rooms, if not the least, to activate mm -hmm. comparatively to the size of it. Yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah, yeah true. And uh, so it would be a matter of to expand the house in that, in that manner, going into the outdoors, 
um, there still needs to be a connective experience, right? Because yes. the, between the kitchen and it used to be that the kitchen was a utility room, right? You'd go in there and perform some tasks and then come out to the family room, which was the dining. Well, that's all changed now. And uh, with the, so the kitchen doesn't really connect with the dining room because it's, it's a different purpose. It's just a work room. So you don't want it connected. <laughs> now it has to be connected. And so how do we get that uh, uh, kitchen to connect with the exterior now? It can't just be through a tiny door and a lot of wall. Yep. You need visual connection with people that are out there so the cook doesn't feel isolated. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so you'd just be figuring out how do we get these two spaces to connect? And, and that, you know, at its, at its very essence is as, you know, as, as someone who is enamored by the progress of outdoor design and, and not only the design, the, the meaning and attachment that the consumer now has to it and what can be done outdoors. Um, I, you know, I think it's exactly that. It, it's, it's having that discussion or that white, page visioning session and bringing that discussion in at the earliest possible phase because it's really what delivers the greatest results sounds like for your clients is doing exactly that yeah yeah and, and we start very general you know we, we get we extract that information that we need from them how do you want to live mm -hmm. and we talk about and, and gather that information um, so that they can articulate it and then we present it, but uh, we start from the beginning and get, we're very, very general in the layouts. And then we dial it in as we go, and that's what builds their confidence in how they see them, themselves living in it. So we're not thinking about, you know, where does the sink go in those first meetings in, in a kitchen, for example, right? We don't know. We're, we've got to see what layout, what uh, format, feels right to you and um yeah and and that that way they're, they're thinking about um smaller amounts of things right? they're, they're um almost putting blinders on them so that they're looking at this particular thing and being able to get because it's not so much information they're able to um, consult with each other and determine what feels right for them. And then we start adding things in as we go. And that's what develops that uh, confidence level. But uh, yes, I've been doing a lot of um, um, patios and uh, nano doors. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, visually connecting an, an extra area to and usually it's right off the uh, kitchen area. Usually, yeah. 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 But also off of the family room where the TV, you know, some families are into TV watching together and others aren't. And so we get to the bottom of that and then you determine how, what, what's the exit point from the true family room for this, for, for this family, yeah. for this homeowner. Uh, there's a lot to it. And, uh, and I'm paying attention, you know, as I'm going through the design process, um, and keeping them very, very involved. I've got a, a lot of things going on in my head in the background that, that they don't necessarily know about, such as light flow, right? And, how, how, and uh, uh, connection, 
and uh, the psychological aspects of this of this of these layouts that are available to them. I appreciate the the thought the thoughtfulness that uh, that you've described, and it's not just you know here's the square footage and let's start moving things around and just filling <laughs> it. That you that you uh, you know apply the 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 envisioning part is is really quite quite amazing and um it's it sounds it sounds like you get the most for your clients and also probably i imagine the most um the most redeeming work for yourself because it is a truer expression of your creativity and the consulting that you do versus just playing around with with cad blocks and just filling space <laughs> it, it's uh I, I, I get the sense just, you know, speaking to you for, uh, for an hour that there's a lot of very deeply woven meaning into, into what you do. Yeah, it's very rewarding, exceptionally rewarding for me. And my ego is centered in um, clients that are thrilled with their spaces and just are enjoying the experience from then on out rather than um, usually the ego is, is, this is what I've done for you, do it. Right. And, um, but yes, I, I enjoy it very, very much. I enjoy engendering uh, very competent clients. Uh, so that as they move forward into the build out process, they know exactly what they want and why. Um, unbiased information is very important to them to make confident choices, but their confidence level is the, is the most important thing to me. Well, I will continue to follow you on, on Instagram and continue to follow your work. Um, I want to thank you very much for investing your time today. I've enjoyed the conversation very much. Um, thanks, for, uh, thanks for educating me on terms like uh, light flow and, and modern family room. I, uh, I'm, uh, I'm smarter than I was an hour ago, and, and I, <laughs> I, I appreciate that very, very much. Absolutely. And I appreciate you uh, mentioning, uh, you know, devolving an idea to involve the outdoors more. You know, what, what, how would you like to live outdoors? I think that's a, a good part of the conversation I could add with every client. And we've added value to each other today. And that's always what the goal of, of, these, of this relationship is. So wonderful. Brian, it was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much for your time. I, I wish you and your family continued health and safety. Through, uh, through this uh, pandemic and uh, look forward to speaking to you again, again very soon. Likewise, in every way, I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Fireside Chat with Seattle-based designer Brian David Roberts. I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I did recording it. In the future, please join us on our Fireside Chat podcast series, Join us on our YouTube channel, LinkedIn, and of course, on Instagram at Urban Bonfire. Until next time, thanks for joining, and we'd love to hear from you. If you have comments, feedback, or an idea for a future episode, we'd love to know. Please reach out. Thanks. Thanks.